Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Christian Celebration Center podcast. Our prayer is that this audio will encourage you in Christ and challenge you from God's Word. Enjoy the message. Matthew chapter 11, and we'll begin reading verses 28, going through verse 30. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord, over these next few moments, I pray that your word will come through so clear and also your heart behind it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I think we'd all agree, even if you didn't just take a bite of pie, that eating pie is easy, right? I've never seen anybody struggle, maybe with the third piece, they're trying to get her down. But eating pie is easy. Jesus said in this text, on that day with his disciples, he was speaking to them and to us, that his yoke is easy. And he was meaning his, his teaching, his ways of doing things, his pace of life, his path for our life. His rhythms. We've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. Jesus is saying his yoke is easy. Not meaning that life is just always easy. It's like eating pie all the time. No, there are challenges in life. There are uh, difficulties that we face in life. We all get that. We all know that. It's real life. But yet Jesus says that his ways, and what he was talking about is his ways are better. His ways are good. In other words, taste and see that the Lord is good. His ways are appealing inviting us to take part in his ways and experience it for ourselves, that his ways just plain and simple work. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. And then he went on, as you've seen the last few words of this passage, to say that my burden is light. Jesus says, my burden is light. Now in the Greek, this word translated burden is burden, a load of the freight of a ship. Think about a a, a ship containing thousands of containers. Have you seen that? Just the crates that are just stacked so high. It's so heavy. Jesus said, my burden is is light. It's something that's not burdensome. What he puts on us is not burdensome, but it's easy or light in weight. My burden is not burdensome. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is saying what he puts on us is not heavy. I have this backpack right here, and it actually is really heavy because of what's in it, in case you think I'm joking. It's actually pretty heavy. And aren't you glad? Oh, my. Aren't, I'm, I might break a sweat here in the next, like, couple minutes. Are, aren't you glad that we weren't born with a heavy backpack on our backs? You know what I'm saying? Like, come out of the womb. And then you're three and you're five and you're 25 and you got this huge backpack on your back and God's put it there as part of your makeup, as far as part of his plan. No, no, no. In fact, it's the exact opposite. God created humanity to be free. In fact, three of either the first words, depending on how you read the text, or three of the first words that God ever spoke to humanity was this. You are free. Isn't that extraordinary? That was God's plan. When Jesus came, he said Jesus came to set us free. 
and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And yet, so many are carrying a heavy backpack. I tell you, this, this thing is pretty heavy, at least for me. I know some of you are like, that wouldn't be heavy for me. Do it with my pinky. It's kind of heavy for me. I can't imagine shoveling the snow with this thing or, or, or trying to sleep. Can you imagine trying to sleep with this thing on? I mean, that, no, right? Oh, man. I might need help getting back up here. All right, use the legs. Okay. I can't imagine going running with this thing on. No way. It's too heavy. But God didn't create us with a heavy backpack on our back, but yet there are people that are walking through life with heavy weights on them. Now, there are two main purposes for this message, and I'll just say this at the beginning. One of these purposes is just this, to declare biblical truth. Now, I thought about this this morning. I was getting ready. The first time I ever preached a sermon was 32 years ago when I was 14 years old. And it was in a nursing home. And if you're like, man, I thought that was a great sermon. No, it wasn't. In fact, I remember people sleeping during, during that, okay? Okay. But I was 14 years old. My youth pastor made me prepare a message and preach. And I thought about this this morning. What I'm going to share with you, truths from Scripture that I'm going to share with you, I didn't need to preach 32 years ago. Because the people that I was preaching to in that nursing home were born in the early 1900s. Some of them maybe even late 1800s. And, I, and it hit me this morning that what I'm going to share this morning, I wouldn't have shared 32 years ago. I didn't need to. Today I want to share biblical truth. But secondly, I want to share biblical truth in a way that helps to increase our compassion for people in our world that are carrying heavy weights. One of the many weights that I see people in today's world carrying is the weight of knowing and trying to figure out where they came from. Think about this. You all know where you came from. You all know where you were born. I was born in Pensacola, Florida. My parents are, okay, you go through that. You could all do that. Everybody could do that. Everybody could do that. You know where you're from, but kind of take it back further than that. Where are you from? Like, where's everybody from? Where's everybody from? Think about the animals and the oceans and the plant life. Where is it from? Where did it come from? Those are actually really, really big questions. And if they're not answered, it is a heavy weight not knowing where you came from. Now, here's what we do know is that nothing can produce something. Meaning everything has a beginning point. Something cannot come from nothing. Does that make sense? We've all seen this pie. Three of us have tasted it. Here's what we know about this pie is that it came from somewhere, right? It came from somewhere. It didn't just poop, there's a pie. It didn't happen like that. It came from somewhere. And someone was involved. See, even modern scientists today, even modern scientists today do not know of anything that springs out of nothing. They know of no being. They know of no physical process that suddenly 
arrives without having come from somewhere. So where do we come from? Where do we as complex human beings come from? There are things that we can do that other things on earth, such as an animal, can't do. I mean, we have a, a pet. We have a dog. I don't claim it. I say it's my daughter's dog. How many of you have a pet at home of some sort? At least when you left home, you still had, okay, you had a pet. We have a pet. It's a dog. He's 12 and a half years old. And that's not dog years. That's real years. 12 and a half years old. And my daughter and I just several days ago, this is, this is just this is fresh news right here. Several days ago, we shook and we finally made the decision we're going to change his name. And the reason why is because the, the name that I gave him when they first brought him home uh, is pretty lame. And that's on me. And so 12 and a half years later, we shook on it. He's in the process of, of, of having this name. And it's not completely a done deal because Lacey hasn't signed off on it yet. She says she gets a say. My daughter and I did shake on it. So we gave him a new name. Here's the thing about my dog, though. My daughter's dog. He doesn't necessarily know that we changed his name, and he doesn't care. Because now I'm calling it by a different name after 12 and a half years. And he, if he hears me, because he's going a little deaf, if he hears me, he still comes. And he looks up at me with that one blind eye, and he still wags his tail. And I'm calling him by a different name. Hey, we all get it. I know your pet's probably smarter than my pet. Fine. But here's the thing. They can't solve. They can't do chores. They can't figure things out. They can't think like a human. They can't feel like a human. They can't love like a human. Human beings are complex beings. The things that we're able to do are so incredible. They beg the question, where did we come from? Trying to figure out where we came from without God is a very, very heavy weight for a person to bear during life. I think of Jean-Paul Sartre, who was a philosopher. He refused to believe in a creator. Yet on his deathbed, Jean-Paul said this, and I quote, I found my philosophy unlivable. Now, here's why it's unlivable. Here's why it's unbearable. Because a worldview without God says that you are nothing but a grouping of molecules. You're nothing but a cosmic accident. You have no significance, no purpose, no intrinsic worth. And one day your molecules will stop working and you will die and the universe will continue on unaffected by your existence. Ugh. Can you imagine going through life with that? What a heavy weight. See, without God, one is left alone without hope of finding their answers and their deepest human cravings solved and taken care of. Genesis chapter 1 records the creation account. It says, in the beginning God created. In the beginning God, who is eternal, created spoke into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as you look through that passage in Genesis chapter 1, we are given the answers to where everything has come from. God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. He's speaking of sky, and it was so. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. Let dry ground appear, and it was so. Let there be lights in the sky to separate day from night, the sun and the moon, and it was so. Let the water teem with living creatures, and it was so. You see a pattern here. God spoke, and it was so. Let the land produce living creatures, and it was so. And then God said, let us make man in our own image. God, the intelligent designer, spoke into existence what he wanted to have as what we would then experience. We look at the beauty in nature, we consider the intricacies and the complexities of even just being a human being, even just being able to sit down, to think, to hear, to get jealous of someone who has pie, all of the things that we can do as we sit here today, as we plan for the future, as we think about this, as we read all of these things made by an intelligent designer. Because nothing can just show up from nothing. Everything has an origin. And God created all things. The psalmist wrote, for you created my inmost being. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Deep down, don't you know that? Man, there are some things that you can't explain outside of God. There are some things that we experience that you can't explain outside of God. And the psalmist says, his works are wonderful. I know it. I know it full well. Deep down, I know. I know. That it didn't just eject out of nothing and then evolve out of nothing to be where we're at today. God, the intelligent designer. You see, that is a weight that many people carry. But here's the thing. They were never meant to carry it. They were never meant to carry that type of weight. It's too heavy. It is too heavy. There's another weight I want to talk about today that people were never meant to carry. And it's the weight of selecting gender. Never meant to carry that. I know this is... I'm, I'm starting to sweat a little bit. After Lace and I were married for uh, maybe three years or something like that, um, we became pregnant. Really, she became pregnant. And we were excited. And, and after um, some of the scared out of our minds wore off, we began to tell people, hey, we're pregnant and we're expecting. And here's the thing. As I look back, I know it was a long time ago, but as I look back, I don't remember anybody coming up and saying, what gender are you choosing for your child? I don't remember anybody ever asking us that question. But we did get questions like, what are you having? Do you know if you're having a boy or a girl? But no one asked us, which gender are we selecting? And the reason why, as you know, is because the husband and wife don't get to select the gender. Right? Some parents decide not to find out the gender until the moment of birth. That's brave. That is brave. Hats off to you. But then 
at the moment of birth, as the doctors and nurses are there, they take the baby out of the womb somehow. I still don't know how all that worked. I totally slept through that one in health class. But the baby comes out, the baby comes out, and then the doctors and nurses say what? It's a boy or it's a girl. And I stopped to think about that. I was like, how do they know that? Because I don't know if doctors and nurses have ever got it wrong. Like, I know the 3D imaging people can tell, and maybe there's mistakes on ultrasounds and all that stuff. But, but once that baby comes out, I think they're like 100%. It's a boy, it's a girl. Now, you might think I'm, I'm trying to be funny. I'm just trying to be very real and try to speak truth today. The babies didn't fill out a questionnaire. They didn't ask the baby what they wanted to be. No, when they were born, the doctors and nurses knew this is a boy and this is a girl. Why? Because God chooses the gender and he makes it abundantly clear. Chapter 1 of, and verse 27 of Genesis says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female. Created, he shaped, he formed. In the Hebrew, uh, the word for male is zakar, and it means male. And the word for female is nakaba, and it means female. Very distinct. Right there in the moments of creation, God says, I'm going to make a male and I'm going to make a female in my image. And this is extraordinary when you consider that masculinity and femininity are at the heart of God's design. They're at the heart of God's design. And somehow, in a way that only God could do it, he made a male and a female both in his image. Meaning male and female both reflect the image of God. Only God can pull that off. Now when I say masculinity and femininity, I don't mean to say that God created a boy to like trucks and a girl got created to only like dolls. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that God created them different. And if a girl likes trucks, she's a girl who likes trucks, who is distinctly different from a boy who likes trucks. God created us in his image, male and female. And you could say, well, uh, Pesky, that's what it says in the scripture, but isn't science just the discovering what God has already done? Science is just always catching up. Thankful for scientists. They're catching up with what God has already done and set in place. Science tells us that even though we know of clear physical differences between a male and a female, there are scientific differences as well. You know this. The female has two X chromosomes and the male has an X and a Y chromosome. DNA screams every single millisecond of every moment in the existence of humanity that there is a distinct difference between a male and a female. And one of the foremost issues in the public arena today is that of gender identity. And when there are new terms introduced into culture, uh, it comes with it very many definitions. And you almost feel like no matter what definition you use, you're missing something right. You know what I'm saying? But I will give this definition, I believe it's fitting for us today, given by someone on our team much smarter than me. It's this, transgender could refer to any individual who meets the following two conditions. First, they believe their sense of self or internal sense of gender differs from their biological sex. 
And then secondly, they choose to identify and express themselves in a manner contrary to their biological sex. Here's what I want to say. For any that are here today, you're watching online, and you're questioning your biological sex. You're questioning your God-given gender. I want you to know that you are, and, and hear my heart in this, you're carrying a weight that you were never meant to carry. You're, 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 and when I say weight, I'm talking about the weight of thinking it is on you to make such a monumental decision. The weight of thinking God created the world, but he made a mistake with me. That's a heavy, heavy weight. The weight of thinking that in our brokenness, the answer or the solution to that, what's going to bring contentment and satisfaction is changing gender. Please hear me. God loves you so much. And he has designed you and to design you in your mother's womb with intricate purposes, with complexities that we still as humans cannot fully explain doing all of that because he loves you and because he has a plan for your life. He can be trusted. There's a passage in Isaiah chapter 29. God is speaking to people and, and he says this. He says, shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? In response, several chapters later in Isaiah 64, people respond and say, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. You might say, oh, Pastor Keith, you don't know what I've been through, you don't know what I'm going through, you don't know what I've dealt with, you don't know what my past has been like, and you're probably right, I don't. But God does. And if you hear anything else, would you hear this? God can be trusted. He does not make mistakes. He loves you. And I would say this, there are people, part of this church, that love you too. That are a safe place. God loves. The weight of selecting gender that many people in our country right now are carrying, a lot of people carrying it. The weight of selecting gender is a weight that we were never meant to carry. We, as humans, were never meant to decide male or female. The third weight I want to share with you today is this. Actually, before I get to that one, can I just take a moment and uh, just give some application uh, application and encouragement to parents who are here whose child in your home or an adult child is um, questioning their biological gender, their God-given gender. I just want to give some application. And then also I'll just say this to the church, uh, some application, encouragement for uh, those of us who have friends and co-workers who are questioning uh, their God-given gender. Let me, let me just briefly share some of these with you. First of all, pray for them. I know you do, but I'm saying really pray for them because the enemy is really, really, really trying to deceive them. And the voices that they're hearing in their head are not from God. Pray for them. The enemy is really trying to deceive them, and people 
are really trying to make money off of them. Pray for them. Number two, seek to understand their feelings. Seek to understand their feelings. That, that's us taking a step back, right? That's trying to understand their deeper cravings. In other words, listen, listen, listen. Listen. One of the best things that you can do is compassionately lean in to what they are really saying and feeling. Be a safe place for them. And number three, empathize with them. The fact is, come on, all of us are broken and all of us have deep cravings and longings for contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment and love and acceptance. We all have those cravings. We're human. Empathize with them. I would encourage you even as the relationship uh, builds or continues to share part of your journey with them. Some of your struggles. Because we've all got them, right? We've all got them. Share some of your journey with them. Number four, love them without compromising the truth. Now, that's a few messages in and of itself. But love them without compromising the truth. One, one, way, one way to love them as the relationship builds and grows, one way to love them is to kindly, at an appropriate time, share with them God's design. It's not yours. It's God's design. And also God's love. Let them know that you will always love them. But you cannot celebrate or affirm something that is contrary to God's design. Love them without compromising the truth. Number five, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. We are in uncharted waters to some extent. This is, it really is new territory. As I said, 32 years ago in that nursing home, I would not be preaching about this. Right? Ask God for wisdom. There's sometimes uh, when it's warmer out that I really like to go jogging or, or bike riding in the woods. And, and do, on, do that on trails. And, and sometimes if I'm on a different trail, I have to really concentrate. I went on a, into a different wooded area and a, and a different set of trails this summer for the first time and I, I have pretty good confidence in my directional ability and, and I'm watching the sun and all that stuff. I get a good idea and I, 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 I won't go into detail but I got so off track I was in different cities. I mean it was bad. It was bad. I kept thinking the trail was going to turn around. I kept thinking I'm, I don't know if I'm going the right way. I started to get disoriented to where I was like I don't even know which direction I'm going. Not fun. My wife told me I should have had my phone with me because then I could have looked, GPS, see where I'm at. I was like, that's a great idea. But going into that ride, I was like, I don't need that. I got this. We're in a day and age right now. We don't got this. We have to go back to true north. Again and again and again and again, we've got to hold up the standard of the word of God and say, this is what the word says. You know, others don't like it. This is what the word says. This is what I'm going to follow. We need wisdom. We have it. And the Holy Spirit will reveal to us all the things that Jesus said. The Holy Spirit will reveal to us as we ask. The word says, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it. And we need it. We need God's wisdom in a credible way. Because a weight 
that humans are carrying, many people are carrying right now, is the weight of trying to select their gender. And it's a weight that was never, never intended, never meant to be put on us. That's a God-level decision. Thirdly, the, the weight I want to talk about now in, in our culture is the weight of defining marriage. The weight of defining marriage. I've got good news for you. You don't have to carry this weight. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to define marriage? We don't have to script up a definition or a picture of marriage. Aren't you thankful for that? No matter what a president or a judge or a teacher or a Supreme Court justice or a group of senators declare about marriage, we already have the definition. We already have the plan. Jesus reiterated the plan 2,000 years ago, the plan that was set up at the very beginning in creation. And he said at the beginning the creator made the male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they too will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore what God has joined together let man not separate. Marriage is already defined by God. It's already defined by God. Marriage is already defined by God. That there would be a man and a woman coming together in holy covenant for life. A man and a woman coming together in holy covenant for life. God has already defined what marriage is. And as part of his plan, his master plan... God also designed sex. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> I wondered if anybody would smile on that one. Three amens. We do have marriage counseling available. As part of his plan, God, divine, God designed Sex. It was a divine plan. He designed sex uh, for that to be between the man and the woman, for the man and the woman to experience that in the holy covenant of marriage. It's God's plan. God's definition of what it was for. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 says, marriage should be honored by all. Marriage as God defines it should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. Sex between man and a woman in the holy covenant of marriage. The marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all of the sexually immoral. Whew. You can't say it any more clearly than that. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. I want you to consider with me what our world would be like if we obeyed God in just this one issue of sex. Consider what our world would be like if we as the human race all came under the umbrella of God's plan and God's protection and provision of sex to be between a man and a woman in the holy covenant of marriage. Consider what our world would be like. There wouldn't be 30 sexually transmitted diseases. There wouldn't be 20 million new STD infections every single year in the United States. There wouldn't have been 62 million 
abortions. There will be no incest, no rape, no molestations. There will be millions of kids and women in prison and sex slavery around the world. There will be no prostitution. Well, over half of the current divorces would not have taken place. The reported one in five young ladies who head to college and experience either an attempted or completed sexual assault wouldn't happen. And there wouldn't have been billions of dollars wasted on pornography and millions of lives destroyed by it. If we would, as a human race, obey God in just one area, do you think God knew what he was doing? Here's the thing. Jesus says, my burden is light. I've taken care of the heavy lifting. I've, I've, I've taken care of uh, these questions. And I just wonder how many people are still carrying around the weight of so many questions that are already answered in the word. God did not create us with a, a heavy backpack full of weight. He created us to be free. He created us to, to have that weight taken out. And we would not have to continue to carry it. Already having answered so many of the questions that we come across in the word. One more weight I want to talk about as we close today. And it's just this. It's, it's the weight that many people carry, and it's a weight that all of us have carried. Some are just still carrying it, and it's this, the weight of guilt, sin, and shame. That's a heavy weight. I felt it. That's a heavy weight, and every human being has experienced it, where they have carried the heavy weight of guilt, sin, and shame. Once again, God never intended that we would carry guilt, sin, and shame. He didn't create us to bear the weight of guilt, sin, and shame. He just didn't. He created us to be free. His burden is light. Many people are carrying that even still. Maybe some even here today. Watching online, you're carrying a, a weight of guilt, sin, and shame. Billy Graham called it the great quest. The great quest of seeking to find freedom. Of seeking to find contentment and, and satisfaction in their soul and fulfillment. To be free of guilt. To finally, finally, finally have peace. Why do we carry guilt, sin, and shame? Why does every human being experience that, that weight of the guilt, sin, and shame? It's because of sin, right? It's because we chose as a human race to go against God. Every single one of us have chosen to go against God and do things our own way. We've chosen to sin, to, to miss the mark. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the kingdom of God, the glory of God. We've fallen short of his holiness, every single one of us. Every single one of us. And we carry before coming to Christ, we carry that heavy weight of guilt, sin, and shame. Think about the, the people that you know at work, maybe in some family members, people in the community. There's a lot of guilt, sin, and shame that is being lugged around, and it doesn't have to be. See, that sin separates us from God. God's on one side. We're over here as the human race on the other side. Deep chasm between us. We cannot get to God on our own as much as we try. And so God made a way. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says that Jesus personally carried our sin to the cross. He personally carried our sin. Meaning he took the backpacks of guilt, sin, and shame. 
filled with heavy rocks of every person on planet Earth who would ever live. And he puts it into his own body, on his own body. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. And he personally carried it to the cross so we wouldn't have to. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we get rid of that guilt, sin, and shame? Well, Jesus took it to the cross. How do we engage with that? How do we receive what Jesus has already done 2,000 years ago? It's through faith. Through faith. I'm not just talking about a mental assent or saying a few words and then moving on. No, it's, it's embracing what Jesus has done. Truly believing with all of your heart, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. That whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. Believing in him, that's faith. Placing your life in his hands, that's faith. Surrendering to his lordship for the rest of your life, that's faith. Therefore, since we have been justified, made to be without sin, since we've been justified through faith, we now have peace with God. The war between us and God, done. The weight of the guilt, sin, and shame, done. Take it off our back. I tell you what, this feels a lot better. This feels a lot better. Would you bow your heads with me? Think of opportunity in this place. For any that are here, main floor, the balcony, online. If you're carrying guilt, sin, and shame. If you're a believer in this place and you feel like you're carrying the weight of guilt, sin, and shame, uh, there is freedom for you. Christ has already paid for it. Embrace that. Have conversations in your life group with other believers. Get into the word and see that that freedom is already there. You don't have to do anything else. Just claim and embrace the freedom that Christ has already given to you. You're here in this place. You're carrying guilt, sin, and shame because you're not in right relationship with God. Jesus shed his blood on that cross, carrying all the weight of sins, guilt, and shame that this world had on his shoulders. And the blood of Jesus, oh, the divine precious blood of Jesus because it was shed. Promises to cleanse us and purify us from all sins. Promises to cleanse us and purify us from a guilty conscience. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about real peace. I'm talking about a divine peace that maybe some of you in this place have never experienced before. And if you haven't or you've run from God, don't miss this opportunity to take that backpack full of weights right off your back and walk in trust walk in peace walk in salvation thank you for listening you know we believe god has something amazing in store for you today and now is the perfect time to take a few moments